You're listening to Arch, a CCS student podcast. All right. What is up, guys? Welcome. Welcome back to the seventh episode of the Barch Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Harris. What's up, Jits? And my other co-host, Malachi Harris. Hey, guys. And I'm also here with special guest, Andrew Michael Metter. Woo! Hello. He is a former faculty teacher at this school. Um, you taught multiple things, didn't you? Yes, yeah. I taught earth science, engineering and design, physical science, and I was a robotics coach. Dang, you're all, all around just mostly science guy, but still. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of different activities. He wears on. many hats. Yeah. And that's definitely, he also has worked at NASA in the past, if I'm, I'm right about that, right? Yeah, I was contracted uh, in a lab by NASA to mm-hmm. do nanotechnology research for the International Space Station. <laughs> All that means is he was researching aliens. Basically, so. I know the truth. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, or I, I've said this before. He's one of the most interesting people I've probably ever met or just had interactions with, um, you know, from all the way from working at NASA to like now he's like making music and stuff. What he been doing that? Yeah, I know he's been doing it for a while, but um, <laughs> oh, what 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 would you say like is the inspiration behind your your new album? I know I listened to uh, some of it. I haven't got a chance to listen to the whole thing, but I listened to a couple songs and then I listened to some of your old songs, obviously, because that I just had were a little bit nostalgic for me, you know. But I think Isaiah Malik, I'd probably listen to a little bit too, because just to get ready, get in the mindset, you know, of mm-hmm. Andrew Michael Matter. And I noticed that it's more, it's a lot more like other people. And you're like, I'm assuming you're like the pr- more on the production side now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there is times like where. In some of your more recent songs, there's still times where you like sing and stuff, but like I feel like it's more focused on other people and their voices, and then like you're on the other side of it, I assume. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm definitely the producer. I've written all the songs. Oh, so okay. So, even, all the even though my vocals aren't featured on the song, I wrote the melodies. Okay. Um, the one thing that I didn't have any writing in necessarily would be the rap features and the verses because uh-huh. it seems a little disingenuous for rappers, like with everything just going on with ghost writers and yeah, yeah, yeah. Be contributing to their own art. Um, I wanted them to craft and write, but then I had a production role in forming and crafting those things to fit the narrative of the song. So cool. all the music I recorded and played myself, all the melodies I wrote, and then I featured the voices that could bring my songs to life in the best way. That's cool. How do you find those voices? Like, what, like, they're, are they, like, all local, or how, how do you find those people? Because I, I didn't recognize many of the names, or I don't know if I recognize any of the names, but obviously they're cool people. Like, they got a lot of talent. So I'm just wondering, like, how do you find these people that are just, like, yeah, mostly just through local connections. I'm very intertwined in the local music community. Mm-hmm. So I have friends and I have people with good reputations that can recommend other people. Um, there's a lot of Nashville artists. There's a, an Atlanta artist and there's a Denver, Colorado artist on the EP. Sweet. And it's six songs, right? Yeah. 
So one of the things I was going to ask you is, is there like, like in a, I know in a lot of albums, um, well, there there's a spectrum of where like some artists will just like put like a compilation of songs to be like no particular order, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's those albums like, like, you know, Tame Impala, like Currents, yeah. like that album has like a very specific like order and it's like goes through like a breakup and stuff like that. So like, would you say that your album or in this one in particular, uh, Pride, right? That's what it's called, right? Yep. Uh, like, would, would you recommend that someone listens to it from start to finish or like, is it kind of just a compilation? Like you don't really care you know, what's, what's your uh, take on that? I would say as the creator, I have a vision and I'm saying something with the album. Yeah. Uh, this isn't just rah-rah hype music. Mm. Um, like I have a very distinct narrative that I'm trying to communicate, but I'm not saying it up front. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to bury it in layers of artistic expression. And so there's a narrative to the whole six song album but then every song does kind of stand alone on its own okay yeah yeah yeah. that makes sense so just so i would recommend that people listen to it in order okay yeah and that's what i would typically do i just like to know where artists come from in in terms of that because i think it's really interesting like specifically some of the transitions especially between the first song and the second song Mm -hmm. like those transitions were crafted yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So so you're doing music, and are you still skating a lot? Yeah, I still skateboard a lot, and scuba dive, and... Scuba dive, that's... That new? Oh, that's all over his Instagram, dude, do you know? I've seen so much scuba I don't know, dive. maybe I've been lacking, but... I'm wait, a big have fan. You, were you doing that, was like, is that relatively new for you to be doing that, or is that like something you've always been doing? Uh, I've been certified for the last three years. Okay. But have definitely been doing it more. I think maybe the volume is ramped up because COVID cut out so many things. So now, like, many of our trips got rescheduled for this year. Mm. Like, my wife and I just got back from Belize. Yeah, I saw that. That looked insane. Uh, there's so many cool videos from that. I mean, I, I'm sure you could probably tell us all, all about the little, like, creatures and stuff. I, don't, I like all the little educational, you know, tips you put on your Instagram story. I'm mm-hmm. just like... Dang, that's cr- like so crazy. Like how, so what is your, as I understand it, your new job lets you kind of have a lot more freedom in terms of being able to like do stuff like that. Like, isn't it kind of like you're making your own schedule? I mean, this is just what I've heard, but like what, how, do, what is your new title and stuff like that? Yeah. So with my new position, I work from home. Mm-hmm. The rest of my team for the Biomimicry Institute is based in California. Wow. But the Institute itself is based in Montana. And so my position is I'm educational content and curriculum development for the Biomimicry Institute. In addition to that job, I am also in an online master's program to receive a master's of science in biomimicry. Okay. Okay. Wow. At what? At where? It's online through Arizona State University, which is the only accredited program in the United States for biomimicry. Okay, interesting. So how how does that look? Is it like video classes and stuff? Yeah, or? it's all asynchronous. Um, similar to what we did during March of 2020. Okay, yeah. Through CCS. So all the content is posted. 
I could go through an entire semester, like in a week if I wanted to, but yeah. it would be an insane amount. Of, oh yeah, yeah. Of work, um, and so some things are timed. You have group projects, but it's all just focused on really refining your understanding of the process of biomimicry, and then collaborating with all of your classmates. And there are people from all over the world in the program, so it's a lot of fun to get to interact with those people. Yeah. Do you feel like you're, like, able to learn a bunch of stuff through that? Like, I, when I was online, I mean, I'm just, like, I, it's so much harder for me to learn online, you know? Mm -hmm. But I feel like, I mean, obviously, you're a lot older, so, like, you're probably able to take more in in general. But, like, is it hard for you learning online, or is it just kind of you're used to it? You know how to how to deal with it. I don't think it's hard for me to learn online, um, mainly because... I think my biggest takeaway from my bachelor's at Purdue University was understanding how I learn and yeah. what supports, what additional measures I need to be able to sustain inquiry for myself and really robustly learn something. So I'm really, I'm in charge of my education, especially because I personally am paying to do this. Yeah, yeah. And there aren't any quote, throwaway classes. Like I would say, it's different from high school learning online because not everyone wants to take English. Not everyone mm -hmm. wants to take math. No one wants to, you know, take those specific things. This is hyper-focused, and I'm incredibly interested in the things that I'm paying to study. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Like, of course you'd be interested. Of course you'd be wanting to learn, and you'd be, like, yeah, hungry to learn that stuff. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, one like, one thing that I've always like been curious about you is like your ability to balance all of the things in your life like when you were a teacher at ccs and like i would i would have your class and then i remember one time like on a saturday i would just see you at the skate i went to the skate park and you were there and like and you're making music and posting music videos and like you have a wife and like all this stuff and i was and like what advice do you have to help people balance their like balance things in their lives. Mm. I think it really comes from prioritization and knowing what things fill me up and fuel my fire. Um, obviously, there are things in any person's life you don't enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a adulting as a whole thing now where you have to clean the house and you have to pay bills and you have to do these things to get by. But I think in general, I'm in addition to being artistic i'm also very administrative so when i look mm -hmm. at my day i break my day down into like 15 minute chunks mm -hmm. and i say okay i can do this here i can do this here creatively it's a little challenging because you can't just walk into a room and let's say you've got to tidy up a room you know it's going to take 10 minutes mm -hmm. you can't necessarily say oh it's going to take me 10 minutes to finish this song because you never know when inspiration is going to strike you there are certain roadblocks and obstacles to your day that prohibit that sort of concise time frame. But in general, like I look at what I want out of life and then I structure my daily schedule to achieve that. Hmm. You're a wiser man than me. <laughs> I'd say it really comes from discipline. Um, like knowing what you need to do, knowing when you can give yourself leeway. Like I have a hard time giving myself rest and breaks like even when my wife and I were in Belize, it was really challenging for me to just step away and not do anything. Yeah. But it's the first 
literally the first vacation that I've had that I did not do any work on. Mm. No creative Ever. work for my album, no work like for the Institute. Yeah. And I just relaxed and gave myself a break. And was it like, I mean, did you feel like it was like very useful to have that, that break? It was useful, but it was also like, I felt, I would say I definitely felt more rejuvenated after that week because mm-hmm. I wasn't just like spinning my tires endlessly trying to fixate and do something. Um, just trying to be present with my wife, present in the moment. Like when you're scuba diving underwater, it. I wish everyone could just go scuba diving. Like it's so amazing. <laughs> and yeah, like I might start crying if I talk about it too much. So I'm going to move on. But um, yeah, it was, it was unnatural to me to rest. Yeah. But it was the first time I did it. I'm really glad I did it. There. That's awesome. Um, so at that point, that was how long ago that you went on that? Uh, three weeks ago. Had you finished the album and you were just waiting to put it out? Or was there still more work to be done once you got back? There was still more work to be done, but not on the album. The album has been finished since February. Just on like promotional stuff or? Yeah. Okay. Um, mainly because I'm just, I'm a one person team. Yeah. And it can be really tough to set self-imposed deadlines. Like it was going to come out in February mm. and it was in the cloud, just waiting to be disseminated to the online stores. And I just kept pushing it back month after month because, um, I wanted to finish strong at CCS Yeah. before I started the Institute. And then I started my master's and then, you know, there's just constantly things. And it's like, I'm doing this on my own. It's not like anyone is beating down my door yeah, yeah, yeah. for this music anyway. So I'm going to make it work for me instead of like being a slave to this thing. Mm, that makes sense. Where do you like see your music career going? Like say five years down the line, what, what does it look like or what, what would you like it to look like? Well, I would say I'm definitely playing the long game here. Um, 10 years down the line. <laughs> what, years. What, whatever it may be yeah i i want to position myself to be working with artists and producing for artists in a way that my name is not on the music okay yeah like there are some exceptions like when dj khaled produces a song his name is always DJ on it Khaled. yeah but for many other artists their producer <laughs> isn't mentioned on the track like when you go to Spotify, when you go to Apple Music, you don't see their oh, name. Oh, really? Anywhere. Even in the like credits? It it'll be listed in the credits if there are credits. Uh, but like people don't look at those. Yeah, I mean yeah. there's so many people that are responsible for a song being released that aren't on the artist page. Yeah. Um and, and that's what you want to be? That's so. the position that I want to occupy, yeah. Because So what it what's appealing? You're not interested that? in having a little um what's it called? Before a track, Flout. a producer tag. Well, a producer tag, yeah, like where it's like Andrew Michael Metter on the beat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, I mean, I am, but let me let me tell you the end game for me. Okay, okay, yeah. The end game for me is getting to a point where I'm respected amongst artists and they want to work with me, mm. and I'm already getting a taste of that and seeing that. And when I say I'm playing the long game, what I mean is that I'm leaving all my old songs up. 
you can go and watch the Up in Flames music video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can go listen to that. And I, it's really important to me that people understand that growing and developing in something is a process. Mm-hmm. And now I look back and I laugh at those things. <laughs> Not like because it was comical, but it's just like, oh, I've grown so much since then. Yeah. And I want to keep seeing that growth and that track record. That's awesome. So, like... Are you into, I noticed that you like labeled your album and it was very much like a hip hop, like album was hip hop slash rap. Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of scene where you're like moving towards like you, those kind of are, are the artists that you want to be respected by? Or is it just like very broad? Like, well, I just had a review come in for the, for pride, the album. And I was really happy with the review because I feel like they understood what I'm trying to do. They looked at my past work too. Hmm. And I would consider myself a producer of music. Like I played the trumpet and upright bass on the first track. Yeah. I arranged awesome. all the strings. Mm-hmm. I arranged the flute part. I arranged the French horn part. Wow. And those aren't typically skills that would be useful in a hip hop. Yeah, setting. yeah, yeah. But I... I write music. Like if you listen to a song like Shaken in the Summer, it's totally different than what I put out on Pride. And Pride, I wanted to have a somewhat consistent sonic tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I get ideas for songs, they're all over the place. And so I want to be skilled at producing, not just skilled at pop or hip-hop. Okay, or yeah. That makes sense. Which it kind of it delays your development because if you focus in on one thing, you're able to go a lot farther, faster. Hmm. And I but that's why you're playing the long game. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I feel like Malachi doesn't really know you very well. Obviously he never had you as a teacher, mm-hmm. but I want to give him a chance to give, get a little taste of Andrew Michael Mutter, you know? So Malachi, <laughs> if you have any, any thoughts whatsoever speak now or forever hold your peace i mean we love to hear your your commentary on this podcast but i know it might be a little weird to to talk right now because you don't really know so like what don't you do because you do like everything i feel like (laughs) (laughs) um what don't i do (laughs) okay well let me go through the list of things i enjoy bird watching skateboarding scuba diving producing music, making digital art, um, science, engineering, physics, chemistry, biology. Looking um, good. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Style w- icon. Working out, staying in shape. Fashion icon. Um, I, w- I would say I am really bad at basketball. Mm. Like, even though I'd consider myself athletic, I'm really terrible at basketball. How tall are you? I am six foot exactly. Okay. Interesting. That's my goal. 182 pounds. Well, we get to know that stat as well. You said digital art. Have uh-huh. you ever made an NFT before? Uh, I've made several, but they're not released yet. Are they but they're part of the part of the process or they're in the works? Yep. Dang. That that's a very interesting space, obviously. I mean, I can't say I know a ton about it to like be able to go into it, but Yeah, I really know very little. It's like what what Crazy. is NFT? Like I've heard of them, I just don't know what they actually are. A non fungible token. Yeah, that's what it stands for. Um, it's not fungible. Huh. Yeah, you just can't funge it. <laughs> it's it's yeah. confusing. Trust me, yeah. you don't want to funge it. 
<laughs> if you plunge it, it's not looking good for you. Let's just say that. Um. Yeah. So, Malachi, is that your literally your only only question? I know. I know. Malachi is normally has a lot more input because we just talk about CCS and just whatever's going on. I don't know. Have you have you ever listened to our, one of our episodes before? I started listening to one, but then um, I had a really you fell serious. Phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I had a really serious phone call interrupt it. Okay, and yeah. I haven't opened. No, it's Spotify no with Drake. Since then. It's no problem. It's no with problem. Drake, Drake hit him up, and he had to. Oh, Champagne Poppy, he <laughs> wants you to be his next producer. I wish. Well, I would be open. I'll take the call. We it, it kind of started as a joke, and then we just kind of have just been rolling with it for. I guess eight weeks now. We we s- took a break on one because um, it was like fall break or something. But mm-hmm. we've had the, you're our second guest. Our other guest was a current CCS teacher, a new one. What about Eli and Jay. Oh, I'm sorry. I they just count. thought of them as students, but yeah, they are. They, they were guess. our guests. They are alumni. You know Eli Honeycutt. Yeah. Yeah, and Jay Yates. We had them on, and that was really fun. They're working in Texas now, so that was. It was really interesting yeah, to I, hear. I know you're listening to this. We love you, man. Oh, yeah. I love those guys. <laughs> Jay Yates. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> you can't get enough of them. <laughs> yeah, they they listened to the, our episodes, too, all the way in Texas. So that's that's fun. Mm. Um, But, yeah, um, Isaiah, you have any more? Um, uh, what? I was just, uh, just a little kind of like an icebreaker, but we already know everything. But, but like... <laughs> What is like, because I remember one time you told me something about like, you're, you have a friend that like produced for Khalid or something like that. For Drake. It was for Drake. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and tell us about that. Um, so like I said, I'm interwoven into the, the music community here and I just like to get to know people. I like to see, you know. Who has integrity? Who's worth working with? Who are the people I want to avoid? You know, you don't necessarily know beforehand, so it just comes from experience. You spend time at events, go to concerts, spend time in the studio with people. Um, and so I just happened to spend some time with these guys, and there's an incredible producer named Tiggy in Chattanooga, and he's produced for Khalid, um, a lot of big artists, like he mixed Location by Khalid. Oh, a Omar. classic, dude. That's crazy. And he lives, he's from Chattanooga, and his mentality is just that a rising tide lifts all boats for the mm-hmm. city. So he's trying to put on for the city. Wow. Um, and then several other friends in that same vein of artists. Um, I'm just friends with them. We haven't worked together professionally, but we respect one another. Yeah. You know, we're friends. And so him and someone from Nashville and then my other buddy who's in this artist group, um, they're responsible for Grease by Drake. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And But that was with DJ Khaled too, wasn't it? So how it worked was they created the music. Then a guy, a producer named Oz, sent that to Drake. And then it went... Number one is a Drake song. Yeah. And then DJ Khaled re-released it on his album. What a bum. <laughs> no, but he was in the feature, or he it said his name, like, when they first released it, his name was on it, DJ Khaled. Yeah. It was just a single, that's what you mean. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As a single, and then it was rolled out on uh-huh. DJ Khaled's latest album. Oh yeah, what was it? Wasn't it just called Khaled? Khaled. Yep. Yeah. And so, <laughs> through all of those handoffs, I mean, that's how the the major music industry really works. There's lots of handoffs between groups of people, between mixing engineers, mastering engineers, producers, writers. That's so interesting to me. And yeah, from Chattanooga. Two, I mean, two number one songs, same song, but wow. it went number one twice. You know, um, Isaiah Rashad, what a, is that his name? Yeah. He, have you ever met him or anything? Yeah, I met him, but I didn't know who he was at the time when we had first moved to Chattanooga. Yeah. My wife and I lived two houses down from him <laughs> when Kendrick Lamar came oh to the gosh. house and got him. Wow, dude. That's a crazy. It's crazy. What did you? It's just such a small world, Chattanooga, dude. Chattanooga is the entire world <laughs> <laughs> for some of us. For me, yeah, that's what I meant. And then Ringgold, Georgia, <laughs> and Costco. <laughs> what do you say? Costco is your favorite, like, place to go or something. It's my like favorite place to vacation. Oh yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Um, and I stroll around the Costco just on the outside, like walking around, like it's Jericho. Yeah, <laughs> just walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how does it work with the like? Do producers get signed to labels ever, or or is that not a thing? Like, I don't. I'm just interested to know. Yeah, there's a a myriad and variety of ways that connections and relationships work in the music industry. It's pretty common that producers will sign to a label, which really means that um, it's a non-compete contract where they don't work with competing labels artists. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you'll see like DJ Khaled has a lot of the same people on his record. Mm -hmm. So certain people have other same people on their record. And it's all based on the details in artist agreements and the producer agreements, you know, there's a whole lot of legal hullabaloo that has to be jumped through for those things to happen. But so in a sense, it's kind of like limiting to do that because you, you're like, well, if I work with Drake, I can't work with Kanye because they're beefing or whatever. Like, I mean, if you're at that level, yes, I know that's a, like a high up example, but, but for the average person, it's guaranteed work. Yeah, yeah, because you're under label and they're mm-hmm. going to give you stuff. Okay. So would you ever be interested in doing that or? I think I would. Yeah. Um, I, I have so many ambitions. Actually, I've spent the last year really refining what do I want to accomplish with my life. Yeah. Because if I'm spread too wide... I'm not going to really tick the needle in any meaningful way for any of my goals. Mm. Um, and so I've kind of whittled it down. And right now, it, what I'm attempting to do is find a way to incorporate biomimicry with my love of scuba diving, with my love for education on climate change. Because I feel like climate change, um, in addition to like racial and cultural equity are the two main things I want to focus on bridging the gap in my life. Mm. So that kind of like reminds me of another question I was going to ask, which is like, see, you are interested in getting back into the teaching space and it's currently, I'm currently in education with my position at the Institute. 
Okay. Um, I just, I primarily work with adults and people that are interested in learning the process of biomimicry. So you're a teacher, but you teach them on Zoom or is that? Uh, through Zoom or I c really what I do is I'm at a larger scale position where I create resources that teachers then use. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so would like, you be interested in being back in the classroom again? And you go ahead and say what you were going to say, but that's what I was kind of wondering. Oh, yeah. No, I was just tapering off anyways. Um, I would say it all depends on how you define the classroom. I guess I would say, I mean, in our case, just like high school or, or maybe even like a college professor. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to know what teaching college is like. I'm not sure I would like doing it. Yeah. Um, because part of the reason I was in high school education for 11 years was I loved the connection to the students. Mm. I loved the relationship. I loved how you could really get to know someone and like teach them something meaningful that would impact their life. Um, I think I definitely wouldn't say that I've evolved beyond high school teaching. But yeah. right now, I'm, like, getting my bearings and setting a foundation for the rest of my professional career with biomimicry. And so, at least for the next two years until I finish my master's, I don't really think that's on the table. Okay, yeah. So, for those of people that are listening that don't understand, which I completely 100% understand what biomimicry is. <laughs> that's a good yeah. point. I don't know. So, what can is. you explain what that even is? Because some people, not me, yes. don't, don't know what that is. I, I would love this. to. I know. So biomimicry is a design thinking approach that incorporates environmental accountability. So it's not just how to solve a problem, but it actually um, is emotionally nurturing and reconnects you to nature. Mm -hmm. So in, in my opinion, it's the most robust and how can I say it? Let me just get into the explanation. So there's okay. three core components of biomimicry that are like, if you don't have these three components as you approach a problem, it's not biomimicry. The first is asserting your connection to nature. And I would love to talk about this in my earth science class because we are animals. Mm -hmm. We are beasts. Yes, sir. <laughs> and we, there's a very physical and tangible biological component to our existence that connects us to the rest of life on earth, the mm -hmm. biosphere. We are nature. We are a part of nature. Um, and so part of it is fostering that connection and caring about animals in a way that understands their sanctity of life in these animals. And there's a respect for them as mutually created organisms. So then there's emulation which emulation is just a fancy way of saying we're mimicking, we're copying what we see in nature. And then the third component, which is when you're approaching the problem, you're looking at how nature accomplishes a specific function. So in short, we're using nature solutions to solve engineering challenges. And here's a quick example. There is a bullet train in Japan traveling at supersonic speeds, and when it would go through a tunnel, the front of the train was catching air and sound waves such that it would build up. And when it would exit the tunnel, it would create sonic booms because mm -hmm. 
the air was traveling slower than the train and it would shatter windows and it would rattle the surrounding area. So that's a big problem every time a train goes by. And the lead engineer was a bird watcher. He studied a kingfisher whose beak was shaped such that it could enter the water without splashing to catch fish. Hmm. So it's deeper than just putting a beak on a train. So what makes it biomimicry is that they studied the fluid dynamics of how the air moves around the beak, and they applied what they learned from the kingfisher's beak to the train context, and it ended up saving like 30% electricity, which resulted in less air resistance, which decreased travel times by 20%. I think I saw that problem on my ACT. That <laughs> sounded train. like it for a second there. Train in Japan. That's, that, that's so cool. That... Okay, so that kind of got made made it make sense for me, like mm. mimicking something that you find in the environment, right? Or like some kind of yeah. animal, like they mimicked the bird's beak or whatever. The way that an animal does something, and then it's called abstracting, which is where um, you're kind of you're changing the context to make it fit. And that's that is very interesting. So I have a random question based on that yeah. uh, whole explanation. Are you a vegetarian? No. Okay. I just wondered because you said like. My wife is a vegetarian. And honestly, I haven't studied it enough to like fully know. Um, honestly, especially like since COVID and quarantine, really studying and knowing something that has so many information outlets is just so emotionally draining because there's so much politically charged information out there. I yeah. It's just hard to fact check every single source of information. Yeah. But my thinking in remaining an omnivore is that our ancestors were omnivores. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a balance in everything. I don't like to go extreme too far to one side or the other. It's also nuanced in that I don't think it's perfect, but it works for me right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're all omnivores as well. Mm-hmm. We yeah. love meat, as one of our friends famously said. Um, shoot, I had something else I was going to say. Um, you have anything else that you, we're, we're, we're hit the time limit that we're trying to like aim at? But obviously, when we have guests, we like to just kind of like give them as much time as they want, but we still are trying to like find the sweet spot of a podcast length. Obviously one thing I was going to say is I know you have a podcast that I've listened to a couple of times. Yeah, that's true. I did. Sorry, I left that out of my answer to your question. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that he does. Um, and if you want to like shout that out or whatever, I know we probably, we probably have way more listeners than you do. So like I'm joking. No, and I'm very (laughs) grateful for your platform. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get tons of new listeners from us. Yeah, I have a new episode coming out this Friday, which I don't know when this podcast is going to air. Friday. There's three. There's now three episodes. <laughs> Where The Charge podcast is on Friday, and we are too, and then yours now. Too. Cool. So, Did we already say go listen to The Charge this week? No, yeah. I don't think so. We'll say that at the end. We said that last week. And we, I think we did say it last week too. We did. Okay. So it's called the AMM podcast, mm. and it's really a way for me to explore ideas, 
culturally, musically, technologically, societally that I'm interested in. And the whole idea is I think we should be thinking through things in a proactive manner. Yeah. Instead of just being caught off guard culturally when things happen. So like the podcast that I have coming out this Friday, I was really excited. I talked to Dr. Valeria Pizarro, who's a Colombian PhD coral reef scientist. Jeez. She spent the last 22 years studying coral reefs, seeing the changes. And so we talk about what are the changes she's seen? Why is coral so important to the robustness of oceanic ecosystems? And what can we do to fix it? Especially because right now in inland communities, well, an interesting factoid is that 50% of the Earth's population lives on coastlines. What? Yeah, it's an insane amount of people that live on the coastlines hmm. of continents. That is insane. And so, Wait, what's classified as a coastline? Just touching water. Like how many miles from the coastline is w the end of like saying coastline? That's a good question. I don't know uh -huh. what qualifies as like the end of the coast, but I would guess visibility to the coast oh, is what they use. Wow. How? I'm not surprised, that, honestly. I mean, I never th would think of that, but like that's just so appealing to people. Like the ocean is such a rich resource. Mm, yeah. And so coral reefs have a direct impact on humans through fishing, through other trade and commerce. So we need to understand this gigantic issue that's going to affect over half of the world's population. I say For over sure. half because it affects the coastlines and Sally in Georgia is not going to be able to get her fresh fish. Even though Georgia, does Georgia have coastline? I don't think so. Yeah, a I don't little think so. Bit. I think Florida, I feel and like we, have, we have a little bit, I think. So uh, how? Don't we? Alabama uh, might. Alabama like definitely does with Mobile. There's like, I'm wildly uneducated in <laughs> Southern geography, so. So is it, so are we, I mean, obviously. So any, I don't, anyway, the, the main point is in my podcast, I get to explore these questions. Yeah. Um, I talk yeah, to. They do. They do. Have a coast okay. That's cool. I knew it. I talked to Dr. Georgiana Kramer from the Planetary Space Institute about whether or not it was cost effective for SpaceX to mine titanium from the moon. And like I break <laughs> down what is the volumetric payload space in a Falcon X heavy rocket how much <laughs> titanium could they bring back based on the molar weight, the molar volume, and would it be cost effective? So, oh my god! I mean, this is just like like what I want like to do in my I free mean, time. I'm so impressed by the fact that you're just like interested in that, and you like like for me when I learn have those kind of like if I have a problem like that in chemistry, I'm like, bro, I'm never gonna. When am I gonna use this in my daily life? You know, and you're the guy. <laughs> That uses it in their I daily life and is in interested in it, you know? Whenever I think of a question like that that I'm curious about, it's usually like, what was the biggest dog ever found? <laughs> <laughs> it's never like, how much titanium is worth bringing home to Earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so, I mean, if, if that doesn't convince you that that is an interesting podcast to listen to, I don't know what will. It definitely convinced me because I, I kind of forgot about the podcast, to be completely honest. I think I like, didn't serve, like subscribe to it or whatever whenever I first listened to it because I don't know why, but like it just never comes up <laughs> in my feed or whatever. But right. now I'm going to and I'm literally I'm probably going to listen to all of them because I, I like podcasts, you know.
I mean, obviously I do. I have, we have one. So. I would, I would say this too, just because I'm a former teacher here. Yeah. I love CCS. I've loved my time at CCS and I still love CCS. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan. Um, there are some adult themes that are addressed on the podcast. Yeah. But they're addressed maturely and they are addressed with reverence for the topic. Mm -hmm. So just, just be forewarned I think if you go exploring those things. Even one of the ones that I know kind of one of the ones that you're talking about, I think you re you released it while you were still at CCS. So, I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. if, you know, if they had a problem with it, then they would have said something. So, that's why I'm They saying. can take it up with us. Yeah. With a middleman. We, I would be happy to recommend it. So, if is there anything else? I mean, obviously, you can plug all your social media. I mean, I'm sure you guys can know how to find it. Is it amm.com? wave now yeah amm.wav which i noticed you changed it for the uninitiated wav wave file is a high fidelity high quality auto audio file how we record this podcast baby mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah i mean i use instagram the most i would say really like i want people to have exciting lives and i want them to understand that you're largely in control of the decisions you make um like, for me, my wife and I decided to get certified scuba diving, and that's completely changed our enthusiasm for life over the last mm. three years. Um, I would just say, get to know what you love and do it. That's pretty solid message. I like it a lot. Mm. Guys, this has been Andrew Michael Mutter. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you found it entertaining, educational, all of the above. Um, I sure did. Um, anything, any closing thoughts, guys? Um, follow the podcast on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Barch Podcast. And go hit up Andrew Michael Metter's podcast and his Instagram. Oh, yeah. And the CCS podcast, which we're on. Don't listen to the other episodes because we're like in, I don't know if you know this, but we're in like a competition with them. Like we are like it's, we are the superior podcast to the CCS podcast. So don't listen to the other episodes, but you can listen to the one that we're on and hopefully you'll and then hop down. It. That's all. Yeah. It can be done. So guys, thanks for listening. Um, we will see you right here next week. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is not affiliated with Chattanooga Christian school whatsoever.